Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. Survive. Thrive. Stay alive. It's time to get prepared with the Prepping Academy Podcast. So next we have Engineer 775. He is in the house. He is. He's here with me. It is good to see him. Look at that. He's got his glasses. His trifocals on. If I have to read or not. Okay. If you have to read. This is Scott Hunt, everyone. Engineer 775. You can tell he's actually engineer. I think there's, does that say engineer behind you? Actually, it does. A lot of people on YouTube are a bunch of trolls. So you're not an engineer. You're really not. So I do have a master's degree in mechanical engineering from Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. So um, I have some paper that says at least I, I graduated and I did work as an engineer. I should print some and put behind me, you know, like all different. Yeah. <laughs> I get it from Etsy. Etsy. Yeah. Get your, wow. You can get your, your diploma at Etsy. <laughs> so Scott, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I appreciate you having me on. It's been a long time since we got together. And um, so I appreciate it. Appreciate it well, you're time. a busy guy. You've had yeah. a couple years of just work. Just work. That's I am yes, and uh, lots of requests, and uh, it's expanded to pretty much the whole country, um, helping a lot of DIYers um, get off the grid or off hybrid. Um, so yeah, and we have installs back all year. So that's why. So every time the fall rolls around, I'm like it's my busiest time of year. It's like people start like thinking like squirrels, and they start start prepping in the fall. September is like the worst time for me. It's like, why do you do prepper camp in the fall? Can you do it some other time? Because everybody instinctually starts thinking about preparing in the fall. I get blasted in September, October. Mm-hmm. So some of these people have met you. This is first time meeting you. So I want to step back and who is Scott Hunt? Who is engineer? Some, how did it all get started? And I mean, start with your childhood. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we don't have time for this. <laughs> we don't have time for that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Who's Scott? I mean, how, I mean, I mean, I know everything. Well, not everything about you, but how did you all get started? How did, and how did you get into prepping? How did you take your engineering to actually, you know, off grid? What you're doing now? Yeah, I'm, I guess so. I guess quick thing about my upbringing. I, my nickname was uh, College Boy. Growing up, I was the only one in my family to go to college. Most of my family's blue collar. My dad ran a body shop. Um, my grandfather owned a lumber yard. Everybody was hands-on. Do they mechanics, carpenters, equipment operators, loggers, farmers, and so I had exposure to all of these trades growing up. Uh, divorce product of divorce. I would get you're going to go over there. My middle name was Get Wood. 
Um, so when I grew up, it was like, get grand, grandma needs firewood for her wood cook stove. So my grandfather collected wood cook stoves. So from an early age, I was exposed to all sorts of prepping equipment um, from can canners to, you know, growing gardens. And I didn't know anything about preparedness. And, you know, it's just, this was, this was my family. This is what they did. And this is, they worked with their hands. And so I was exposed to, I feel like everything. I was very blessed to, you know, be 10, 12 years old, running a chainsaw, driving an Alice Challenge tractor, running cultivators, getting hay. So I had a lot of exposure to a, a lot of cool things that I hated. You know, I just, you know, you're a kid growing up like, I don't want to do this everywhere I go. Right. I go to work. So, so my goal, my escape mechanism from all of that was to get good grades. So mm. I got good grades throughout school, straight A student, blah, blah, blah. And I ended up going to the college of my dreams, which was RPI, Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute, which is upstate New York. It's engineering school. And I, I went there and got a master's degree in robotics. That got me hired and moved 900 miles away to South Carolina, where I worked for Michigan Tire. And there, you know, my, I was like, I thought I was in control. I had my escape from my past. <laughs> I had my, my dream job. My wife's a pharmacist. She moved down with me. Um, we're two, you know, whatever. At the time, they were called dinks, right? Dual income, no kid. And uh, we were just working and doing what we thought was the plan. And then the plan changed drastically. I was introduced to Jesus by a coworker at Michelin that basically for two years hounded me like a pit bull. And I, I, wasn't, I wasn't raised in a Christian home. I was a heathen at best. And I was exposed to the word of God for the first time. So can I get my testimony here? You, you started this. This is who I am. You, you, well, you, I know you became a pastor at one point. Yeah. Tell us about that. So at Michelin Tire, first day on the job, this guy sits down next to me and says, are you, are you ready to, are you ready to die? What happens when you die? Um, if you died today, would you go to hell? Or would you go to heaven? So he was really hitting me hard. I'm like, oh, wow, I really landed in the Bible belt. I was getting a lot of belt. And so I didn't know how to counter that other than get mad. So at the age of 26, I bought my first Bible and said, I'm going to prove these Bible thumpers wrong. In my arrogance, I started just reading it and I found a lot of fault with uh, me. So it's like, looking <laughs> in, <laughs> it's like looking in a mirror. After two years, I was broken, surrendered to the Lord, got saved, believed that he died for me. Without him, I'm, you know, I deserve the mm -hmm. ground to open up and I'm going into hell. So long story short there, I got saved and that changed my life drastically. I started study, 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 just like engineering school. I'm back in school. I got to learn this. I have to understand this. And so I started teaching the Bible and which led to a Bible study in our home, which led to 25 people in my living room, which led to we're starting a church and I'm resigning from Michelin Tire Corporation and everybody thought I had lost my mind. Mm -hmm. And so at that and long story, and the whole time we had bought a farm in Pickens, South Carolina, and it was kind of our hobby. I didn't golf. I didn't go hunting. I just worked on this farm tinkering on how to pump water and how to, how to make power, how to do all these things um, that I like to do. And so that was, oh, that's been my hobby for 30 plus years of how to make energy, how to be energy independent, how to grow my own food, how to have multiple water sources. So before prepping, I, when the prepping movement started, I was kind of like, hey, wait a minute. I do all those things. I've been right. doing those all my 
my life. Mm-hmm. And now I've added my engineering degree to my hands-on skills that I learned growing up as a kid. And I'm like, my grandparents were really preppers, but now I'm going to show through some high-tech prepping. And long story short, I became a pastor of a church. And at the same time I was pastoring, I was also prepping, homesteading. I didn't call it prepping at the time. I'm a homesteader. And it just all kind of came together. I'm going really fast here. This is 57 years of my life, folks. 2012, things got really wild, as you remember, um, in in prepping. And just like, hey, I do all those things. We put 400 hand pumps in people's wells. We we did so much work. Um, And it just, it just, it is not stopped since then. Helping people get water, helping people get power. Um, the equipment, I'd like if I have the time to talk about the, the technology has changed drastically in the last 10 years since I started prepping and started teaching on preparedness. So we started a business, Practical Preppers. The YouTube channel kind of took off. That's kind of our, that's how we reach out to people because nobody around here <laughs> in Pickens is going to, you know, our power company doesn't, is against solar. So I, I re- have to reach out. The internet's been one before wonderful for that so we have a nice wonderful business um you know we get to work from the farm i get to stay on the farm i still get to tinker here and we raise cows and chickens and vegetables and and so we try to practice what we preach uh you know, whether it's from the bible or from being a prepper and for me it's about people being independent um for, with power, with water, just being in, independent. And since COVID, things have changed. So, you know, we, I think everybody came to this. We're being lied to about everything. <laughs> we're lied to about our nutrition. We're lied to about politics. We're lied, it just, the, the list never ends. We're lied to about our theology. Or our, so it's been, it's been, um, I mean, there's a tremendous amount of work that came out of COVID. So many people wanted to go off grid. So many people moved out of California to Utah. You know, they had a lot of resources. Like, I don't know what to do. I bought 500 acres in Utah. I want to go off grid. So those have become some of our clients. And we still have that people moving, moving into Tennessee, tons of people. You see Texas plates, California plates in people's backyards and they don't really want them there, but they're, they want to go off grid. So that is probably way more than you wanted to know. No, no. I did buy an eighth of an acre and I really need some all grid. <laughs> I really need some all grid solar and water. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. So you, you've kind of been in the business of, of saving lives. And I mean, really from being a pastor to actually doing off grid power, solar and, and, um, and everything. So it's kind of a, a full circle there. I think, I mean, you're doing it the whole, the whole gamut. Yeah, what we, don't you do? we, we, we love to share the gospel. We, mm-hmm. you know, we, we teach, I teach the Bible. I am not, a, I'm not pastoring now, but I lead a Bible men's Bible study every Saturday. And it's, yeah, it's you a, know, I compartmentalize it. I, you you avoid my hard tough questions. You try to. Yeah, we got, we still got some issues. I've got to change along. <laughs> yes, four <laughs> issues, folks. I'll just put that no. out there. <laughs> we have some different opinions on some things in the Bible, and but has, the Bible itself absolutely is firm. We're good on that. It's just some things that are in the future. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll, I'll I'll educate you on that. I mean, you did send me a PowerPoint and told me to read it and study it. And, and you I still haven't done that yet. You still haven't a year later. 
I, I'm just I trying know. to read some. I'm putting my glasses on to read some of these comments that are coming in. And eighth so, of an um, acre is better than none. Okay, preppers. Okay. Right, eighth acre better than okay. So um I got questions for you. I told you I had a bunch All of right. questions. Okay. And, and, and none of them are embarrassing. Okay. That I that I know of. The first one is um so th- there's a difference in solar. There's like the DIY, DIY solar. Then there's the real true get off the grid solar. So let's say, and I know you're laughing already. What's well, the I'm first laughing. step? What's the first step for someone saying, I want to be off the grid. What's the first step they do? Do they look at their, I mean, I think it is. They look at their wallet first. I think they look at their family first. Now, okay. Now I, I laugh because you said DIY, and I joke because it's DIY. It's do do it yourself. You said mm-hmm. DIY, which we kind of joke is like do yourself in. Yeah. Oh, so a lot of people. A lot of that people yeah. <laughs> a lot of people when they attempt yeah. to go off grid, they DIY. They do yeah. themselves. Yeah. Okay. And a lot of times, you know, this is you said look at your wallet first. <laughs> I'm saying. A lot. It's very stressful depending on how it's done. It puts a lot of stress if you have children. We saw what isolation did during COVID to a lot of people. It did. They didn't do well. So if you really go remotely off grid, so you're you're the the father, the dad, and you're like, we're doing this. You know, the whole little Caesars. We're going back on the grid. We're going back off the grid. If you don't think through it, you can really do a lot of damage. And you see, mm-hmm. you see um, and it's not funny. You see people getting divorced. You see, you know, over preparedness, and that's not that's that's not the way to go. So, and then the children just, you know, they're being they're having to do things that are difficult: fetching water, getting food, working hard. They're not seeing their friends. There's it's a it's a difficult thing to go off grid. I know a lot of families over that I've met. I have family. I have family that's off. It is not easy. It is not easy. I'm miles this is my away. seventh family, by the way. This is your seventh family? Seventh <laughs> family. All the other ones left me. <laughs> so there's there's so many variables, um, you know, good choices, choosing the right property. Uh, a lot of people just buy. It's very difficult to just buy raw property. And if you're financing that, as you know, it costs more. The interest rates are higher. I always try to encourage people to buy a piece of property that has infrastructure on it already. It has the road cut in. It has a septic system. People don't think about the property and how much money. Interest rates going to be a lot lower on a, on a dwelling. Even if the dwelling is just run down, it's a shack, but it still qualifies for that mortgage. It's smarter to do that because that road's going to cost you thirty five, forty thousand to cut in. The septic system's going to cost you ten. The well's going to cost you twenty. And you start adding up infrastructure that's on a piece of property. You can bulldoze the house, mm-hmm. but you've got all this infrastructure. Pull your RV on the, on there. Live in that. Why? It's and so many people buy a piece of property and they live somewhere else and they never get their project done. It takes them ten years. Right. To develop that property. And I'm like, no, you need to live there to make the most of it. And, and people have stuff stolen because they're not there all the time. They're in a place where they don't know the people. And that's the other thing. You really need to know who you're dealing with because uh, you meet the neighbors and the neighbors are like, 
we're going to steal everything they have. And you see that all the time. People naively go into a community, buy a piece of property. They're not welcome there in a lot of cases. And they and they have an attitude and they turn the neighbors off. And the neighbors turn them in. We've seen that many times. Turn them into the local authorities for inspections and right. shut down the job. And I mean, they... There's a lot of things. And this is part of our consultation service. We walk you through raw land purchase versus already having infrastructure, what to look for. Make sure it's on the southern, at least have some southern exposure if you're going to make your own power. Um, If you're on the north side, you have tremendous amount of heat to produce and to stay warm. It's you're fighting, even if it's a beautiful view and you got all the water you are going to spend a lot of energy staying warm and it's going to be difficult to produce any electricity. So that's. Well, I don't want to interrupt you, but we have a young young lady in the chat room. She said, yeah, I lived it. My dad was a total nerd and I lived this on my farm. Her name is Rebecca. I think her name was, she didn't say all that, but I kind of put that in there for, do you know what that means or anything? Is that my daughter? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, (laughs) Is she really in there? I should yeah, she is in there. There uh, she is. <laughs> yeah, Reba. Yeah, here it is. I I lived it. Is what she wrote in there. She did. They lived it. You know, I sent them a, a YouTube video from 13 years ago, about two days ago, when they were loading the wood stove, and I'm filming my girls, and they were 13 years younger. They were about 10, 12, 13. And I'm filming them, and one of them screams out. It's like, do you have to film everything? And uh, <laughs> I said, you're going to love this when you see this 13 years later. You don't appreciate it now. Yeah. So my poor kids, yeah, they were exposed to that. Their That's favorite cool. their favorite is I put the bucket for the tractor out in the pasture and say, you have to fill this with cow manure so that I can dump it in the garden. When I get home from work, I want to be able to dump this in the garden. But your chores for today is to fill the bucket full of crap. And they, they just, little young girls, they love to do that. So they, <laughs> they, <laughs> thank you, Reba. I didn't even yeah. know she was here. Yeah. So um, next question is, they're, they're, so you, you got to make the choice. So all preppers, I would say all preppers have some sort of backup power, even if it's small solar panels. If it's the the mm-hmm. the orange one or Jackery or something, there's a big difference in having a little solar panel with a couple little battery banks than truly living and having enough power to survive. Okay. Yes. And and it's, it's a world of difference. It's a world of difference. So it's, one is what is the difference? Two is at what point do you you leave the Jackery? and make the commitment because it's a huge commitment once you start down the path. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. um, A lot of it, it comes down to the personality. So I meet customers and I meet with them and I'm like, Oh, these folks are very conservative. And so they're not going to be a problem. Their power bill is $80. Then I meet with another couple saying, you know, (laughs) another couple, I'll just say that their power bill is $800 a month. And their lifestyle, those two lifestyles are so different. So a lot of it comes down to what the expectation is. The $800 a month couple wants to live at the same level. They do not want. So so that system is, you know, 
five miles away. From, it's thousands of miles away from a jackery. It has to be a system that is robust, that I'm not getting service calls every day, that it's overpowered. It will meet all their demands, all their needs, and give them all the bells and whistles they want. Those are my favorite customers. Those are my benefactors. Those, <laughs> they pay, those customers pay the bills. We take good care of them. Now, the other customers are kind of my favorite because they're the sweet little family that just wants to be prepared and we do what we can. And it's going to be a different system. But a lot of the stuff we do is scalable. I don't do much with the portables anymore. They're just they're, they're emergency generators to keep your food going overnight. They're not long term, in my opinion. Um, so uh, so I, it, you got to figure out who the person is. Because I have people with battery banks that cost $1,000, and I have people with battery banks that are $150,000 in a house. So that's the extremes that I deal with. There's just, it's like, it's like you think that's crazy, but that is really mm-hmm. what they have in their home. And it's unbelievable. And they're doing a lot of things, and they want to take care of as many people as they can. This mm-hmm. family's just take, trying to take care of themselves. This family has the goal of, I'm going to take care of 50 people if it hits the fan. And so they've invested what they had and they put their money where their mouth is. And now they're going, all their family and friends and neighbors are going to come here because they're building this um, in case something happens and they have the resources to do it. What's the expected life expectancy for like a Jackery? I mean, if you use that in a grid down, would that last six months? Do you think? Last six months. Oh yeah. I mean, most of the, I mean, any lithium iron phosphate system today is good for around seven to 10,000 cycles. It's amazing. So the batteries have changed this, our conversation. If we had this conversation three years ago, it would go totally different. Um, All the, I'm not installing any lead acid batteries at at all. Um, So we do all lithium. The performance is phenomenal. I deal with 14 manufacturers. I cannot find the difference in any of the lithium iron phosphate batteries. That is the technology we have right now that's prevalent. That's kind of affordable. It's come down a lot. There will be new battery technology next year, and the price will come down. But right now, it's the game is lithium iron phosphate, and it mm-hmm. works. It works fantastic, and it lasts, you know, but I don't know how long it's going to last. They're, the, the warranties are a minimum of 10 years. The cycles are for 16 to 20 years. That would be amazing. Solar right. panels, solar panels can last forever. They're warrantied for 25 to 30. The inverters are getting better. They're warrantied for 10 plus. So we have some amazing equipment. So when I go into a home now, I can run the whole house. I'm running five ton heat pumps, all the well pumps. I used to, I couldn't do this before. When I first started, I go to prepper camp and talk about, here's how you put a hand pump on. We'll just, we'll get you water. And then here's your hot water solution. Here's your HVAC solution. Here's, you know, this solution. Now I can give you a system that runs the entire house. We're doing it this week. Tomorrow I'll finish it, the job. It runs the entire, I run two huge air conditioning systems. I run the whole house plus a car, an electric car charger. And there's no, it's, it's amazing how far the technology has come. There's little tricks like soft starts that we add to your condensers. Mm-hmm. This machine that takes 130 amps to start it now takes 20. What? Right. That people don't people don't know about this equipment. So microwear, I can add this little gizmo to this compressor, and now I can actually start this thing with my inverter. I could never start them before. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking. I don't talk. I, you know, the portable solar 
is fine. I tell people if you have a portable system, at least it'll educate you enough so that when somebody comes to try to sell you solar, hopefully they don't rip you off. You know that I need solar, a charge controller, a battery, an inverter, the load, and don't so, call the wool so, With that said, a lot of these people that go door to door, I will let's just use. Would you agree that over 50% of them are ripping people off? Hey, let's take a quick break. Has your data been hacked? Do you feel uneasy about the vulnerability of your personal information online? Were you involved in the Target, LinkedIn, or Microsoft data leaks? Don't know? If not, then pay attention. Join Forrest Garvin from PrepperNet for a free webinar on privacy and security. Gain insights into safe internet browsing, VPNs, crafting online aliases, secure emails, detecting if your data has been hacked, and managing passwords. Secure your spot today for this webinar on privacy and security. It's free. This webinar delves into comprehensive strategies for bolstering your online privacy. We've got you covered from fortifying your passwords to shielding your financial information and mastering state-of-the-art encryption techniques. We're offering two convenient dates to suit your schedule. Reserve your spot now at PrepperNet.com slash privacy. Don't let cyber threats erode your peace of mind any longer. Take the first step toward a safer, more secure online experience by joining us for our free webinar. Remember, knowledge is power when it comes to safeguarding your privacy. Sign up now at PrepperNet.com slash privacy. We'll see you there. I don't know the percentage. There's a lot, but from a preparedness standpoint, none of them are giving the customer what they actually need. So a lot of them are selling, they're not selling battery-based systems. Most of them are not selling battery-based systems. They're selling grid tie systems. When the lights go out, that system doesn't work. It's relying on the grid. So most of those solar companies that come through the big national solar companies and blast through your state, knocking and promising you the world, they don't know how to do battery backup. Mm-hmm. So this, we started with battery backup, and that's all we've ever done. Now I can use batteries, and I don't have to connect to the utility. So the utility now, because the utilities hate solar, and they're going to charge you. Like my my co-op charges you. If you have solar on your property, they charge you a monthly rate, plus they give you a generator. It's the same thing that California did. So California mandates solar. And then they charge you for the solar that you have. They're doubled. It's unbelievable. That's why Elon, Elon Musk called them out on it. A lot of people don't realize that. They mandate it, and then they charge you a monthly rate for having it on your roof. So it is it is insane. So now we say don't interconnect with your utility. You can use them as a backup. Turn Just don't get mad at them. Please. The first thing, I, and one of the things I want to say to Forrest, to everybody, was like, don't make your utility mad at you. Try to be a gray man when it comes to your approach. If you have grid. You can minimize the use of the grid. Just don't make them mad because you know what they do when they're mad? They pull your meter. And so I have several customers that got very arrogant. And now that they had their new solar system, I'm like, don't make them mad. That's a good backup. That's, you know, and like, I don't need you guys. I'm not doing this. And they come out and they pull the meter. Now, (laughs) when you have a cloudy day or you didn't buy enough battery, your generator's running and you're spending more on propane than you are on electricity, so don't do that. The Prepping Academy Podcast. What are you prepping for? 
Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite. Find us online at PrepperNet.com. You're listening to The Prepping Academy. The information you need before the world ends. Go ahead. Next question. Next question. Solar, wind, hydro, is it? Is it all, is, is solar the winner now? And there's no, I mean, don't yeah, solar the is, others? Solar's the hands down winner. Unless you live in a perfect situation for hydro. For example, if you have a river and you have the elevation change and you don't have to put the turbine five miles from your house to harvest the power and you have con- rights to the river because a lot of times you don't own both sides and the neighbor doesn't like you stealing the whole river mm-hmm. to go through your penstock and that happens a lot um the people you know they rob that creek and bring it over to their side you can't so hydro is cool i love it i'm a water guy uh, my neighbor calls me magic water that's my indian name so i he, he, he i'm learning you got a lot of names <laughs> <laughs> Get wood, magic water um, so, yes, the um, so hydro is really cool. It requires maintenance, just like wind. Wind is you see these wind turbines falling apart, blowing up, burning mm-hmm. up. Solar is maintenance free. Solar that we do is maintenance free. We put no electronics on our arrays. It's a it's basically dumb rock. A solar panel, silicon wafers. There's nothing out there to fail unless you run your lawnmower into it and break it. Or you shoot it. So if you do solar, and yeah. we, we talked about this earlier, it, are there incentive, tax incentives, or or anything the government, if they help you pay for the solar that you, that you install for me, do I have to tie it in with the grid, and can I still be a gray man? You still can be gray man. So... Each state has all they and power utilities will offer incentives and rebates and different things. The general across the board, um, till this is till 2030, is a 30% federal tax credit. It's not a rebate. It's got so your if your solar system for your home costs fifty thousand dollars, you can deduct that it, it equates to about fifteen thousand dollars that you are, you know, fifty thousand dollars coming off, you know, thirty percent of that coming off of your taxable income. So you are not, there's no uh, leverage from the government to say you have to do this or that and you've got to connect and all these things. So if you can present to your accountant, here's, this is what I paid for this system. This, and sometimes people tie the generator with it too. Your generator, your batteries, your solar inverters, your panels, you, it's a 30% tax credit through 2030. As far as I one thing I want to tell everybody in the chat room, if you'll hold your questions, that way we don't have to stop in my questions and we'll get, we'll get to all your questions, but hold them in the end and we'll answer every question. And I think Scott said he would answer every question for $10. Okay. Okay. For, for free, for free, but we'll, let's get to them. Just hold them for a little bit and then we'll go to your questions and we'll post them and and we'll get to every one of them. I just think I got I got some good questions. That's why 
I just don't want to. I'm great. This is awesome. Ask away. So, um, so the next question is. We didn't really mention it, but solar is the hub. If you, I'll just say this. If you, because the the inverters that we use are hybrids. So they'll accept power from wind, from hydro, from a generator, from your battery, from your solar panels, from the grid. You can take all the power sources that you have available on your property. So if you have a good wind site, you know, wind is great in the winter and solar is good in the summer, utilize it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying so overall solar number one, but if you have a hybrid inverter, you can, I just say, don't start with hydro. Don't start with wind. Start with a a, a multimodal inverter that can handle any input AC or DC. Okay. um, So to me, sometimes having a huge solar array is also a security concern as well. Um, And and go ahead. Tell me why. Because I look in the area of my retreat and I know where every, every solar panel is because I bring up Google maps and I look for the large solar panel. And I know if the people in that particular house have a large solar array or solar panels on the roof. I know they have other resources as well. And I'm not saying, I'm just saying as we're all preppers here, I look at that for where my retreat is. So I know what is going on. So is there any way, there's no way to hide solar panels. No, I mean, I mean, I have jokingly, I have a lot of customers. Can you hide them? Uh, yeah, I can hide them. Under trees. I don't, they don't work very well when I hide them in the woods. Um, so, but if you have enough property and we do hide them, we do put them in places where people can't see them from the road. Okay. So, and I, you know, I thought, you know, some people are like, well, I'll just go steal those solar panels when the times are bad, but what are you going to do with that solar panel once you steal it? Ooh, you know, do you, I have you know, the solar, a later question. Yeah. Is it a later question? I okay. have a later um, question. So it is yeah. in some ways a security risk, but what isn't? If you have fence on your property, uh, people know you have something. You know, why do you have a fence around your property? Oh, you have food. You have mm. what's more important? I mean, the food is a lot more important than that solar panel. Mm-hmm. So go ahead. Uh, misconceptions about going off grid. What are people disappointed the most or what are the, do they think they're just going to live there? I guess you can buy your life as normal with money, but what are some of the biggest things? And people go, well, gosh, that's not everything. I thought it was all cut out. To yeah, be the, biggest, the biggest disappointment is the cost. Mm-hmm. And they want to maintain the same lifestyle they had in their suburban house in their nice, beautiful, new 30-acre farmhouse, new build. It doesn't matter how efficient it's built. It's They still need hot water. They want to take showers. They want to cook. They want to do everything. And when they do this, they don't have their, you know, if they want to do it all electric, it takes a, a considerable system. So they kind of, I uh, have customers that kind of will cheap out on the battery and then they'll call me. But the battery didn't go through the night. I said, yes, because, you know, there's two ways to size a battery. You size battery for the performance, meaning how much power do I need right now to do this task versus how much battery storage do I need to get me through 
the night or through the storm or through the week of rain or through 30 kids or 30 family members show up at Christmas to the off-grid retreat and it doesn't make it. <laughs> and it's usually um, the, the money's the first thing. Um, sizing of the system, which I spend a lot of time on sizing the system so that you can enjoy your life and not be a slave to going out and starting the generator again to charge up the battery at two in the morning because the refrigerator's off. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of frustrated off graders. Um, sometimes the integration between the inverters and the generator, we try to make it automatic. And sometimes the generators are too cheap. Um, they're not reliable. They burn up their starters. Uh, and by the way, no generator, and the, people might not, most all generators do not have an off-grid warranty. So you'd think a generator that you bought would be used off-grid, right? Because you're going to use it. But if you go through them all, Generac, Cummins, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Honeywell, all of them, none of them have an off-grid warranty. If you're running that generator off grid and you spent six thousand dollars on it and another whatever to install it, you're into twelve grand on your generator. That is does not have a warranty off grid. So you go into that, you need to know that. So a lot all these Generac twenty K twenty twos twenty six. If they find out that you're off grid, you do not. They won't warranty that because they're not they're not made but to do a five year or 500 hours. That's their plan. So these off gridders are running their generators every day. Right. Yeah. That's not good. That's not good. So the goal is, so our goal in designing is minimize the generator, have a generator. That's your backup. That is just minimize its usage. Make hay while the sun shines back to the farming. You know, you can, you can, if you, you maximize the solar array, because that's the only power you can make on this property maximize it whatever the inverter can max out at that is your best bet and you can start small on the battery you're just gonna have to go to bed when the lights go out and stop using stuff so, so um i'm gonna give no, you a no, chance yeah i'm gonna give you a chance to geek out just a second here um so i've heard you say here recently that um you can now build systems that are pretty much emp proof that is, I have papers that say that. Now I don't okay. have any, I do not have an EMP weapon, so I'm not able to blast them and prove that. Um, so yes, so with Solark, who I've been with for nine years, their inverters are you can buy a non-EMP and an EMP hardened inverter. That kit comes with the suppressors and ferrite cores to put on every solar panel, every appliance in your home in the hopes of the, that they will protect those pieces of equipment from an EMP. I've been waiting for three years for a battery and they finally have one. So Endure Energy is co-located with Solark. They've gone through the same process, certification process. And so there's now an EMP hardened lithium battery. And so we've just installed um, two sets, two, two jobs using that. Because before people would do EMP, but I'm like, well, the, the battery's fried. What good is it? Right. And then it come up with all sorts of backup plans where they could cobble together a lead acid battery out of their vehicles, out of their tractors, out of their four wheelers, and try to put together some 48 volt battery. I have people pulling in 48 volt lead acid golf carts into their garage, putting an Anderson connector on there. So now, okay, your lithium just fried from the EMP. Now let's hook up your golf cart because it'll at least give you power, not a, not a lot of storage, but it'll allow you to run your home off your golf cart. 
Um, that was one strategy. So yes, EMP hardening is always there. I know you're going to have Dr. Arthur Bradley on in a couple of weeks and a great guy. You know, we've always talked about putting, putting solar Dr. Arthur Bradley and EMP shield. Could these guys all work together? Well, they seemingly cannot. Um, and that's frustrating from my standpoint. They're, they're coming at it from different angles and it would be nice to have an overall solution. But right now, my best solution is a solar system with indoor energy batteries. And and every, everything has a letter. But I sign NDAs like everybody else. So I don't know. They're not going to tell me what they did or how they did it. I just have a letter that says, yes, yeah, it's, it's certified. But how if an EMP happens, how are we going to go after them? Right. True. So, so a, lot of, a lot of preppers... They think the safest place to live is underground. And I've noticed in your, yeah, I've noticed in your videos, you've actually helped people put in underground living facilities. Um, First, I want you to touch on how to power that and how that is. It is off grid, but going underground, you, you, there's a more mental thing there. Then there is dollars in buying the actual. Yeah, it depends on the size of the system. Depends on the size of the bunker. I'm currently mm-hmm. I haven't put this video up because I have so much footage. I've just currently done one that is four apartments, thirty feet underground. It is an unbelievable facility. It's completely off grid. Um, I've been monitoring it for the last eight months in terms of its power consumption. It has HVAC, it has water, it has hot water, it has freeze dryers, it has um, all the septic systems. It's got filters this and filters that. It is so impressive, um, but it's so difficult to build. It is probably $3 million. It is so ridiculously expensive. That, and that's it. And, and psychological. Well, you wouldn't believe the size of this thing. It's, 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 a, it's 100 foot long by 80 foot wide. And it it is literally 30 feet underground. And so the challenges of getting air in and septic out a lot, you know, it's an upside down house. You don't have gravity on your side and you've got to force air in. And so people, my crew, my guys hate it. They hate working there. When we work there, they just mentally, they can take about two days of it and they want to get out of there. So we're bringing, we're carrying these batteries and burgers and batteries and water heaters and HVAC and we're, and we're and bringing these down this crazy staircase. So mentally, just being, just working on it, just being in that environment is, it's not natural for human beings to be in a coffin <laughs> in this thing because it, it is just not. And I just, I, I mean, I, I've told every bunker customer that I have, I, I don't recommend them. I wouldn't sell you one. I am here to help you not die. Right. I am here to give you backups to backups on energy. I know that you need redundancies on your water pump, your water, whether you your hand hand pumping air in this thing. You need multiple ways to breathe and you need multiple ways to escape and you need multiple ways to power this. They're really cool when they're done. They're like, wow, this is an ultimate man cave. It's kind of neat to show your buddies and to hang out. And I'm like, I would, I don't have one. 
I mean, I've got a root cellar. That we not, know, uh, that you tell that people. Know. Yeah, I mean, I have a root <laughs> cellar, but it, I, you know, that's as close as I, I just don't, I don't believe in them. And I tell people they're too easy to ruin. They're too easy to uh, infiltrate. They're too easy to stop the airflow. They're still too easy to trap people in, um, mm-hmm. you know, the bunker guys are going to, if they're on here, if they hear this, they're going to just be the, that guy. Shut him right, up. Right, yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I've, been, I've, I've done everything. I, I mean, I've had the, 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 them delivered from Texas on a tractor trailer and lifted them up and carried them in, and dug the holes and violating every OSHA law known to man, digging these things on where you can't, you don't have enough space to put them in. Very dangerous, extremely dangerous. Probably one of the stupidest things I've ever done is put in a bunker. Well, I hope um, your wife's off now. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's like, going to go. <laughs> um, yeah, she's like, never again. Stop doing this. And uh-huh. so I, I did. You know, usually I want, I wanted to see if I could do it. I just wanted to see if I could do it. I wanted to do the dirt work, the grading. Mm-hmm installation all you know we have generators that are 30 feet underground running and the exhaust and the heat and it's quite a system so from an engineering standpoint i've got to get you know the waste out and electricity work and enough battery and everything working because it's super comfortable inside of these things once everything's working so they're the ultimate off-grid test the ultimate off-grid project in terms of getting it to work and but psychologically people don't like living underground Mm. so would you say the a project if you worked on a project putting someone underground it's it's at least the smallest project would be a half million dollars wouldn't it the smallest Uh, possible project no a decent small shelter is about 250 to 300 okay that would take care of a family that they could stay in it. They have enough room. They have enough food storage. Okay. Um, and you're taking orders right now, right? No. <laughs> oh no. Okay. I mean, I turn. You have no idea how many people I've turned away because I made the mistake of putting those bunker videos on YouTube. So I got contacted by a lot of people that we're doing this. You got to come and do this. You got to come and put it in. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe in that. Right. I believe in security. I believe that there's better ways to 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 do this, to prepare and be defensive. I just there's better ways. Okay, next question. Now, this is a tough question, but um when I say tough, okay. So the grid goes down. Yep. The grid is down. Mm-hmm. And we want to harvest items because I go down the street. There's these little machines beside the street telling everybody where there's a turn and there's solar panels on there. And then you look at all these solar. I mean, if you're going out to harvest solar so you can bring it back and use it. Okay. We're going to use the word harvest, not still, because that would, that sounds totally bad. Like marauding. What? If I was planning that, what items should I store if, you know, that I can make them items work? Yeah, you follow you what I'm going there? Yeah, but the things that you have to store are a lot more expensive than that dumb rock that you're that you're marauding. Okay. Um, 
you know, so the solar panel is not the most expensive part of the system. It's going to be the inverter and the batteries. Now, if those systems have batteries in them, then you're ahead of the, you know, a lot of times if you're talking about a light cart in a parking lot that has solar panels, they also have charge controllers and batteries mm-hmm. in it. We're not trying to tell people how to steal these things, are we? No, no. But just this is part of preparedness is so that you don't have to, don't have to go harvest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're I not would gonna, never <laughs> tell someone to go do that. But, but most people, they're not going <laughs> to, they're not going to have the hub of the system. They need to invert that solar panel DC power into something that will keep their refrigerator going. So if they don't have the inverter, what are they going to do with that panel? What are they going to do with those batteries? Nothing. They need so, to understand. They need to have an understanding of what they're doing before they go harvest. So my off-grid off-grid business, when the the poop hits the fan, is to get yeah. solar panels. And re and charge car batteries for people, because there'll be lots of car batteries just laying around on in the cars. And I thought, huh, if I could charge them, I could probably sell that battery. Someone can get power for a couple. And how are you going to charge them? With a solar panel and a charge controller. Okay. Well, you better, you know, if you're just going to have the right volt, you better have a charge controller that does 12, 24, 36, 48 volt. You got to have exactly. the right charge They're 12 volt batteries. So I, I mean, you're just, here's Forrest with two leads, just touching the battery and, and with a voltmeter. Well, I didn't say it was a good business. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we've done a lot of funny things with just solar panels. I mean, we've welded, um, I, I've seriesed a bunch of panels together and it'll throw a plasma ball that is like gigantic. It's scary. I mean, you can do three, 400 volts and just, you can weld, you can hook that to an element on a water heater and, and, and heat water and boil water in a bucket. So you can do some things like if you want to make hot water and you harvest those solar panels, you can heat water with that, with an $8 element out of your water heater. Can hook it directly to it you can heat water there's a lot of cool little experiments but that is that really what you want people to know the mm. eh. it's kind of that is a rough way it sure it is so what skills um would you recommend that people just hire scott hunt practical preppers for all solar or would you recommend that hey if you're gonna do a system of one kilowatt or less just learn the skills yourself i mean and, and yeah. there's some we ha- i have four or five times a week i am talking to a diyer that some of them are unbelievably skilled already they have unbelievable knowledge electrical hands-on whatever and they just need a little guidance and they're off and they build a really nice functioning system other people do need their hands held through the whole process and that's fine and some people, we have installers all over the country now that we say, no, go talk to Bill in Texas. Go talk to, you know, Bryce down in Florida. He's a great guy. He's going to hook you up. So, you know, but we do help a lot of people educate them on what they need to know. Some people you can kind of tell is like, uh-uh, you don't know which way to turn a screwdriver. So you're just let me do it. Um, and we have, you know, tire, well, I'll be nice. People that just, they're their own worst enemy on the internet shopping for prices and parts. They don't know what they're looking at and they end up buying 
junk and things that don't work well. And so we have to go fix a lot of those systems and they get so they've just, they, they, they're don't waste your money because you're going to have to throw all that out and start over with something that really works. So you're saying my charge controllers that I got from all express. They buy the cheapest inverters and the cheapest charge controllers. And then when they try to get hold of the company, the tech support is horrendous or they can't get a hold of them. And now mm-hmm. they didn't save any money. They just wasted three, four, five thousand dollars on junk. Right. Because the re- relays keep failing or it, they just they don't parallel. There's just infinite don't don't do that. So the biggest problem I have with people that are they just are too cheap. <laughs> and they they think they're smarter they're smarter than you are and they go do this and, and they just they make a mess of their off-grid project and can it be dangerous i guess it can be um i yeah once they get shocked a few times they stop but it's not like they're you know nobody's dying thankfully thankfully most systems are 48 volts and it's not until you get like 60 volts across the heart that you are going to die. Okay. It's like, what is it? A 10th of an amp and you can die. But now some of the systems are, are up there. The batteries are high voltage and they're going up to 800 volts. Now you're talking some serious damage. Um, but most 48 volt systems, they'll bite you, but they're not going to. Okay. Oh, okay. One of my last hurt. questions. And I warned you for this one. Is last um, question already from from me? There's people going to be typing questions. Oh, okay. I ask for questions, and the, the format is you put four question marks and then your question. That way we can see clearly it's a question. But so okay. that's the format. But here's my last question before um, I watched a movie called um, Ten Cloverfield Lane, and John Goodman has this bunker. Okay. And he had this barrel of liquid <laughs> and he would, it, and it oh, was wow. so freaky. It's a weird movie. It's a prepper movie, but does that stuff really work? And you were, you were talking, I mean, that's just so weird. I mean, I'm not buying in that by any means. I don't even know what it's called, but I've what heard it. I've heard, I've heard people call it lime pits, but this was a barrel of chemicals he would put people in and it would just eat their entire body. Is that real? Um, I guess you'd have to call it, what's the guy in Breaking Bad? Didn't he do that? Um, Breaking Bad, um, they did that. I think hydrofluoric acid. Oh, maybe. Kind of hydrofluoric is the go-to. Hydrofluoric okay. and strength. But if, I think the most, I think a forensic scientist would say, no, you're not going to be able to hide everything. Okay. That, uh, that would be that would be my opinion that you're not able to get rid of all the evidence. Um, you know, you're watching horror movies for us. What's going I, on here? It's a prepping movie. It's John Abram. So here's the first question we got from Echo Pakba, which you know who that is. Scott, yes. how's the carnivore diet going? What's you going don't need <laughs> I wish I was still I mean, I I mean the, the I don't know what Forrest first put up for advertising this. I said, man, that's when I was over 300 pounds. They're like, thanks a lot, Forrest. Um, <laughs> I will tell you the carnivore diet. This is part of this is prepping. I Part of what I wanted to find out about carnivore, because I raise cows and I have chickens. Could I live on just meat? Um, meat? 
And so I started listening to Dr. Ken Berry and several other people that have been around for a long time doing carnivore and people have been doing carnivore for 12 years. And so I found that what it's an elimination diet. So for a prepper, what is the best diet? What's the best diet for a prepper in difficult times? And with a minimal amount of food, I, to me, I could totally survive on meat. And I did it for, and I did a strict carnivore for six months. I lost 92 pounds Dang. and I was working and it did, it was amazing, but it is, it is boring. Survival wise, I don't have an issue, but when there's breads and pastas and things around, I want to live like a normal person. It's very, it's a difficult diet. You know, you see Jordan Peterson do it. It's just salt and steak and beef. Mm-hmm. And he's not happy about it. He'll let you know it stinks, but it has restored his health. He's come back from the dead because he's done carnivore or the lion diet. So it absolutely works. You don't need a carb. I didn't eat a carb for six months. Zero carb, just beef, preferably ribeyes, you know, sausage, any kind of animal, snout to tail, carnivore works. And so I was like, as a prepper, what could I do? I, I know my cows can turn my forage into ribeyes. I could eat three dump trucks full of kale and not have a, a equate to, you know, a couple of ribeyes in terms of nutrition. So I'm like, nutritionally, between eggs and beef, ruminants, venison, goats, sheep, and deer, I mean, deer and cows that that is the best. The ruminants are the best animals nutritionally and um, take that all you vegans. And then um, probably no vegans here, but steak, if you could, I could live on steak and eggs one meal a day, but it's not fun. Right. Right. So it works. If, and some people have to do it for autoimmune issues. I don't thankfully, um, but it really, really works. You can, I went, I went from, five, four sizes and pants, shirts had changed all my clothes, but my goal, I was just carrying around weight. I'm still carrying around way too much weight, but it, it does. It works. Okay. I don't know get your glasses on. We got questions what? now. Get your glasses yeah, on. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if this is a question or more of a statement. Can microinverters work with an off-grid system? No, no they're I on the screen. Look that. on the screen. I'm Look looking on the, on the screen. No, no. Underneath our video. Oh, please look at continuous duty gins. Yeah, Generite does not make one. Cummins Onan does. Yes, yeah, so we sell Cummins Onan. Our, ours are propane power. We have a 48-volt system. So what is the question? There's no question there, I guess. So let's go to the next one. Scott. Oh, what was their question? They didn't ask a question. Well, they didn't have a question on that. That was, the, that was it. I think that was more of a statement. What would you recommend for a, as a basic solar backup system for anyone not ready for totally upgrade? So yeah, most of what we do are called hybrids. It uses, um, it can use the grid. You're not off grid. You can use the batteries. You can use solar. And what I love, our systems are scalable. Start with one solar array, not one panel, but one array. It's usually going to be a minimum of six panels, an inverter, and a battery bank that can take grid and pass it through. People don't enforce, this is something that a lot of people don't understand. If you have a 200 amp service and 90 million houses in the United States have a 200 amp service, do you have a 200 amp service on your home? Yes. You yes. So, so the inverters that we use can take that entire 200 amps from the utility and pass it through the machine. You don't have to do critical loads or backup panels anymore. 
you can pass all of that through. You might not have enough battery to do full off-grid or enough solar to do full off-grid, but this inverter becomes the hub for your home, and I can pass that power through to run my air, to run everything. So when the power goes out, guess what happens? You have electricity supplied to your entire electrical panel. Does that mean you can run the entire electrical panel? No, but I can go through it. I can manage breakers right. or think and say, okay, while the sun's shining, I'm going to heat my water, and then we're going to take showers. And then we're going to go cook and then we're going to stagger or stage things so that I can live within the means of the small system that I have. And I can do everything. And and usually this one inverter has enough capability to run every load that you have in your home. It can't just it just can't run all of them all. Right. But you can. I have two different panels in my house. Yeah, I have a I have a panel for my my regular house. The power is coming in from the grid then i have one that my um generator connects to within my house the, and so if i i got to turn the you know external power off yeah. and my the other power runs through the main panel then yeah. to the you know to the appliances that i'm running i think yes. that's standard yeah. operations for off for but it is not necessary anymore you can have <laughs> okay. a, no, the technology has changed so much. So the systems that I run, that we run, we run our house, we run our business on these inverters that are, are able to pass power through to make up for any lack of power that your solar panels or batteries or generator can provide. Then if the grid goes out, you're in a different mindset now. Grid is down. I have to conserve, but you right. still have system that is tied to everything people that have a critical loads panel with six little loads on their transfer switch well yes you got your well pump you got your refrigerator but i sure wish i could have run this or run that and now you can do that by selecting um we won't even get into nerding out on load management i do see a lot of questions on end phase there but go uh, ahead Paulo, uh, mono panel oh, yeah Paul. um you know the poly or the blue poly Cells, you know, most of the manufacturers are doing monos now. Mono is poly was big for a while. They both work. If you get a great deal on the polys, that's fine. People, the, the blue, they are kind of, they don't like the look of them. A mono panel is black. Black tends to blend. When you get back to security, when you see black out, it just doesn't pop. It doesn't catch the eye like the, like the polys do. Voltage-wise, amperage-wise, there's a lot of poly systems out there that work just fine. But I would recommend mono. And I would recommend bifacial. That's another thing. A lot of people, All the panels that we put in the last two years are bifacial. They make power oh. from both sides. There's no back sheet. They make power from both sides. They produce about 10% more power. But that's... How to charge a battery with the generator. So how to charge a battery generator? There's a lot of ways to do it. So a lot of inverters, people just say inverter, but a lot of inverters are inverter chargers. So when the generator is connected to the inverter charger, the charger is connected to the inverter charger is connected to your battery. It charges the battery. However, you can get an external charger for your generator hooked directly to your battery, and they make a lot of those. One of the best ones recently is a charge verter. Um, look up charge verter. And it's especially because these systems are 48 volts, 24 volt systems, 48 volts. Um, you can hook up a charge verter directly to your battery bank and run your champion, your predator, your inexpensive generator through a charge verter. And the charge verter will actually clean it up. And so you can make it's a it, what's nice about it, it's a 
it's a separate charging source that isn't say your inverter has issues and it you just you kill the battery and it won't start back up. You can take your generator and a charge inverter and bring that battery back to life. And now the inverter wakes up and you're back to normal. It's a really nice, it's a really nice solution um, that we've, it's a 5,000 watt charger connected to a generator and it's programmable. So if your generator can't produce 5,000, it's only 3,500. You can set it, make it set so that you can use it, but look up the charge inverter is an awesome, it's an awesome product. Next question is, why do you hate Prepper Camp? I do not hate Prepper Camp. That's not the question, by the way, but I just yeah. know that you never, I'm you not. haven't been coming recently. Like I said in the beginning, uh, September, I am stacked full. I have customers that are yelling, when are you coming to start this job? So every, I've always said this, to, uh, whatever, um, it's, you're busy. Am, I'm, I'm just slammed. I am slammed this time of year. Yeah. Um, so, and then the other part, like somebody else said in the comments, I'd love to go to prepper camp and not teach, just to walk around, hang out with folks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that prepper camp would be fun. You would. <laughs> fun. You would have a swarm around you though, because people yeah. just just follow you and ask you questions. So, the next question is: um, Do they not have lithium batteries in Canada? Do they not? Do they not have them? No lithium. Yeah, they have lithium. Okay. Um, of course they do. I, I don't know if that's his question. So um, one of the Canadian companies is uh, is just uh, oh, is Discover. Discover Batteries is a lithium battery manufacturer in Canada. So uh, need UL ninety five forty certified batteries with built in heaters. Uh, there's several of those out there. It's in their UL 9540A now, um, and they have fire suppression. They have fire suppression systems built in. Even EG4 has fire suppression now. So there's a lot of batteries that have the fire suppression. So that shouldn't be an issue. Yes, you can do lithium in Canada. Yes, you can do heaters. I can get you an EG4 battery right now that has a heater in it. It is UL 9540A. And it's lithium, it's life po like you're looking for. So just contact me. I, I didn't get his last question. Oh, but he had Pites Five coming soon. B five. There's so many options. We can talk, Peter. There's there's 14 companies I'm working with on batteries. Um, there's lots of options. Hi, good time to tell someone how to get in touch with you. Um. So through our website, through our email info at practicalpreppers.com. You can go to our website practicalpreppers.com. That's usually the easiest way. Can N-phase microinverters work with an off-grid system? They sure can. So the N-phase microinverters are all over the country and on a lot of roofs are connected to the grid. So what we do with the N-phase systems is we hijack them using a solar converter and we AC couple. We The output of the solar is mimicking the grid. It wakes it wakes up the in-phase microinverter, and then the microinverter starts pushing power back through the inverter to charge the batteries. It's called AC coupling. It's it's done all the time. I have in-phase micros AC coupled to my inverters right now. I So I have AC and DC coupled to the inverter. These inverters are amazing. So I'm not putting in a shameless plug. I've, just, I've been with them nine years. They went from junky little 3K inverters to systems that that are also, and just so people don't know this, there are also three-phase 208 and three-phase 480 inverters out there. There's businesses that want to go off-grid. There's 
full-on manufacturing facilities that don't want to be connected to the grid. And so the capability there is like, how do we do this? Well, we use high voltage batteries, we use battery-based inverters. Solark has a solution to do that as well. So you can take your business fully off-grid. If you have machine tools that need 208, 480, it can be done. In your opinion, what is the best type battery currently, and do you see the technology significantly improving? The technology is always improving, and I, I think there's I think the sodium battery is coming next. This is my opinion. Uh, China's putting it, uh, BYD is putting it in vehicles. So the sodium, the saltwater battery was out a few years ago called Aquion. And everybody was hoping because that was a battery that wasn't nasty like a lithium battery. The, the raw materials were recyclable. It just didn't have the performance. And then, of course, there was politics and the company went bankrupt. But it's coming back. The sodium battery is is really neat so there's technology is i don't know if i answered this question but the the lithium iron phosphates work great they last a long time they're easy to work with but it's there's new stuff coming just learning about prepping and i have seen different company solar panels used to but is that really realistic in the long run different company solar panels used together. Yeah, you shouldn't do that um, unless their electrical characteristics are really close, meaning the voltage, the amps, um, you know, people mix and match stuff. I, oh man, I see people cobble all sorts of things together and it works, but it's like the lowest common denominator is going to kill you. It's like when you take a single solar panel and you put your hand over a cell, what does that solar panel do? It kind of all short circuits to that place where your hand is okay it's an electrical device now if i take that and i put it with something else that doesn't match i put something else, you're 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 not helping yourself it's people cobble batteries together and make battery banks um you're not supposed to mix and match batteries because you got different bms's but are people doing it they're doing it all the time so um <laughs> do you still enjoy me absolutely a ribeye is my favorite choice what about wind power um Unfortunately, I've only done I've only done a few where I live. Wind is horrible. There's just no wind. There's not enough wind that is laminar flow, meaning constant wind. We have violent people. Are, oh, it's windy here all the time. Yeah, but it's it's always the, the the turbines are always fighting to find the wind, and they can't. You have to be way up, and you've got to get laminar flow of wind to keep that prop moving and not fighting looking for wind all the time. So I've put up. I've had customers argue with me, just put it up. I said, okay, we'll put it up. And this thing's got dancing all over the place. And it's really aggravating. And the one we put up in Virginia, a large one, 24-foot diameter, it sounds like a boomerang's being thrown at your head. It's it's really it's something you do not want to have in your yard. It's very obnoxious. Really? So okay. I I don't recommend wind unless like I have customers that love it. They're in um they're in Nebraska, they're in uh North Dakota, and they have a 30 mile an hour average wind. They can harvest a lot of energy. But most people, well, people are in this. I know your podcast goes everywhere, but if you don't have consistent wind, you're wasting your money. Mm. So you may, may be under NDA, but beta version of Solar Smart Load Panel doesn't work. It doesn't work. No, I've had it on the wall for over a year and a half. Um, it doesn't work. The software is not ready. 
Um, could it eliminate a critical loads panel? Yes. Um, load management is the future of solar. So there's several companies out there that have solutions. There's um, the Lumen panel. There's the, uh, what's the big, uh, not Savant. Savant is the other really, the one that I think is the best is Savant. So picture being able to load manage your entire electrical panel. And so it's going to basically be a rules-based load management. I have this much battery now and this much base load going on my inverter. Yes, you can turn on your water heater or no, you can't turn on your water heater. Mm. And then once the lo load is down and you have enough battery capacity, yes, you can turn that water heater on. So it's a simple rules-based load management system. Solar, I think, is my opinion, was too, they're like, oh, we're using AI. We're, we're getting so sophisticated. This is going to learn your home seasonally. I think they started off too ambitious on what their load management system was, where Savant went with a very logical rules base. So to answer your question, Peter, yes, you do not. A, lo a good load management system can save you an entire inverter. You don't have to have another inverter um, because I can run load. I don't, I'm never going to have both heat pumps come out at the same time. I'm never going to have all these loads come on simultaneously. I'll start one, run it, and just, can I run this one? Can I run my car charger now? It will determine that for you. Here's your golf cart um, question. We have a solar system installed. We we have a four-wheeler, 96-volt light asset. We use as a backup after EMP. We split them in two 48 sets. Is that? Yeah, that's if you can split your battery into two 48 sets, you have a backup. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the other way is to step it down, and that's probably more. I Meanwhile, we'll make a transformer to step that 96 down to 48. That's another thing to look at if you don't want to split the battery up. You could do a DC to DC converter from 96 to 48 volts. <laughs> so this next question is, what's your favorite battery for a whole house? How many and where do you install them? And can you give me all the details so that I can do it myself? <laughs> yeah, we, this is normal. No, you're ah. Uh, what are my? Uh, I don't have a favorite battery. So some people install batteries based on aesthetics; they want it to look good. Some people install them because of the space constraints they have. Some people, um, I like. Okay, my favorite battery is a server rack style battery because it it doesn't put. Uh, every one of those batteries has its own BMS in it. So I have backups to backups. I have redundancy. Some of the bigger batteries have one BMS controlling three or four modules. And if that one BMS fails, I've lose my whole battery. So as server rack style battery, and there's a ton of them on the market from EG4s to the Pites to the Endures to SOKs. I mean, the list goes on and on. So server rack battery, if I lose one of those batteries, I'm not down. If I lose two of them, I'm not down. So having them in a rack, like a server rack with bus bars integrated and casters, everybody forgets the casters. Being able to, you get, this is a very heavy item when you finally build it out. You want to be able to move it, move it out to work on it, set it back in, lockable doors, keeps your kids out from anybody getting hurt. So, um, so any, a server rack battery out there. So currently I have pipes um, and I have EG4s. I have home grids. I have arcs. I have fortress. Um, 
it, I, they're, they're, they, they all perform the same. They're, you know, I'm not a great Tesla. I don't like the NMCs. They're nickel metal cobalt. They're about 3,500 cycles. People don't realize that either. That's a, a battery that's about half the life cycle of a lithium iron phosphate. So we go with lithium iron phosphates. So I've got a question. Don't look at the one on the screen yet. So I built internet data centers 20 years ago. And we had racks and racks and racks of batteries all connected yeah. to each other. But we had this neat little machine that cost a, a fortune. And it was a flywheel. And that thing would spin and it would hum like, like, and that was like, that would create power, I guess, until the generator. What did that flywheel thing do? You familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah. So the flywheel was an energy storage device. So you have your batteries are energy storage. Your flywheel yes. is a mechanical energy storage. Yes. And it would bridge the gap between your electrical generator because you couldn't have any downtime. So right. the flywheel rotating. So if something went down, that flywheel's not going down. But if right. you just what would happen if you stop the flywheel instantly? Something's going to blow up. Blow up. Yes. So a flywheel is awesome. I want one. That so thing cost us a fortune. We had one in all our data centers. I, if I remember, but they're like, tell me if I'm wrong, but my memory is like they were about one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a piece. Yeah, they're ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. To have a flywheel, I've always wanted a flywheel under my house, spinning away, and you know, sort of. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that it, it's you would have no interruption of power, and that's why the data centers have them could be no yeah. interruption. And that's why now the inverters have gotten so good. Like solar is four millisecond second is four millisecond transfer time. So there's when the grid goes down, you have four milliseconds. So you mm -hmm. don't lose any data. Right. And that's why they're used for UPSs and banks use them. Yep. And so the site. So back then data set back when you, that was, you know, dinosaur age that you yep. had, were doing that. So you probably that room. That room was a million dollar room. If you count our, our transfer switch, our batteries at that time, it, when we were building data centers in 2000, it was great. I mean, you walk in there and go, there's a million dollars of equipment in here. Yeah. It was, yeah. But the fly was awesome. I've never actually put my hands on one that is for energy storage. I mm -hmm. think, they're, I think it's great. I'm a mechanical engineer, so I love flywheels. So, um, Anyway, best hand pump for a well, 180 foot deep, um, would be a simple pump. And um, Russell, I, we need to know your static water level because that's where the hand pump actually pumps water from. Wherever the water and air come together, that's where you're actually pumping from. So you could have a 180 foot deep well, but is the static water level? That means the distance from the ground level down to the top of that water. It could be 50 feet, 40 feet, 30 feet. So we need to, you know um know those details but uh, the simple pump i literally have put 455 pumps in myself hand pump simple pump so i'm very familiar with that pump i know it works and so there's that's the answer to that question how many panels from the new place in duncan how are the panels from the new place in duncan <sighs> absolutely great if i can share pictures i'd show it to you now um, the cool thing where this is a question about um, panels I put up on YouTube about being made in the United States. And so I have okay. a panel manufacturer that's in my backyard now, which is a new cool move. I actually had them deliver the panels to my job site, in South Carolina, this last week. And that saved me a whole day. It was free. Nice. Um, so the free shipping. 
and they're bifacials and they built beautifully and they're they're listening to my feedback and the leads everything about the panel electrically uh, mechanically is is checking out and i will hook them up tomorrow and actually see how they power uh the system so i'm very happy and so we put uh, we, um, our racking was made in michigan the panels were made in duncan Spartanburg, south carolina we're getting uh, some american-made products so that's a good feeling too so peter I, I guess who was clarifying his question about no lithium indoor batteries then he went to their indoor certification almost then he said he's going to email you <laughs> yeah, email, yeah most every battery now is 9540a or they're going out of business what's a what's a liquid metal battery uh, um is it amber is you talking about the flow battery so there's batteries called flow batteries that are liquid i I'm, 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 I could be wrong on the Ambry, but a, a flow battery, I'm just looking it up. Ambry battery. Is it a I know what a flow B is. No. <laughs> is that how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> is that a, I, I saw that, but I haven't. Uh, so is it a flow battery, the Ambry? They're liquid metal. Oh, do they call it a flow? The flow batteries are cool. You have an anode, a cathode, and a liquid and you're pumping from the anode to the cathode. And you usually see them in their large installations and in like a shipping, this whole shipping container is a battery. And so the electrolyte is being pumped and it is like refreshed. So it's a battery that could be last forever kind of thing. Um, so I'm not, I'm, I doubt, I don't, Ambry, I, I, I don't know. Ambry liquid metal. Oh, I don't know if it is. Is it a flow battery, folks? Um, anyway, it looks it's it's industrial. It's probably way beyond what you can afford. <laughs> um, oh, Echo Pop, you had to do that to me. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have not installed the G four eighteen K. That's a that's a, you're gonna get me in trouble. Um, so I was presented with one, given one, and I, I no, I, I'm loyal to, I'm basically loyal to Solark. I'm tired of changing inverters. I really feel that inverter, I know where it was made, and I know who made it, and it's private brand labeled, and blah, blah, blah. It has some cool features and the capabilities, and, um, you know, they're new in the game, and I'll just say that Solark's got them by 10 years. So... You know, they're, I just, why is he, why is guy ask that question? I'm getting me in trouble. <laughs> it probably works fine. It's, I, am, it's I, I, I am not installed. You know, a lot of people come to me and say, well, this inverter is going to save me money. I say, okay, a $60,000 solar system, and you have saved yourself a couple thousand, $1,500, $2,000 on the inverter. I would have $60,000. So people will tell you you're saving tons of money. There's a lot more to a solar system than just the inverter, the, the electrical work, the permitting, the ground mounts, the solar panels, the wires, the code compliance. So I'm getting all fired up about that question, Echo Papa. So I'll, I'll stay out of that. All right. What does Sonia have to say? Uh, there's a large 200-foot cross, four-foot deep lazy river. Um, she wants to put what what um, micro hydro system would 
should she use? What would you, you suggest? That's the hardest. Those are the hardest. Um, there's no fall. Um, so these are like undershot wheels. People put wheels out in a, in a river and they, they, they try to, um, people have put pontoon boats out and they've tried to, uh, you know, just anchor it in the river so that it's turning a wheel. Um, there is a, uh, there's one that was in Chile where you take a cha- you build a channel away from the lazy river off to your property capture that water, run it through. You got to create the fall. You just can't defy physics. It's, it's, you know, the formula is head times volume divided by 10. You cannot defy it. So it's like, I have four, I've got a, you know, 25 gallons a minute falling 40 feet. That's 25 times 40 um, at a thousand and divided by 10, that's 100. I can make 100 watts. I can run a 100-watt light bulb after all. After you build this monstrosity. You're wasting your time. It, it's a cool thing to look at. A lot of people say, well, look at the wheels turning. Look at the wheels turning. I said, yeah, well, hook it to the uh, charge controller and the battery and watch the brakes go on. So they never talk about the load. Um, so we can talk about that. Off, you know, a lot of people think that just because it's moving, you, you just don't have the potential energy in a lazy river. It's just not there. I, I now I've seen. Tell me if this is just something I made up in my head. Isn't there a way to take that and make a funnel out of it and 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 build up enough? I've seen people. Yeah, where they put- if, you, if you look up, um, you, I don't know if you're thinking of it's the company's called Turbulent. Um, I'm I'm not ignoring you. I'm, yeah, I'm but they good. make it into like a like a almost like a tornado kind of circular system that can speed up uh, turbulent I don't even know if they're in business this is a while um, yeah it's yes turbulent look up turbulent.be this is for for that other lady too turbulent is ready to change the world but it's quite a bit of construction to get to channel that water you know, I went right for a motorcycle ride today, and I stop at every hydro plant because I'm fascinated by hydro. And I look at how they have their pen stock set up, and it's always a tremendous release of water and a in a tremendous drop. So you can't make something out of nothing. Head the 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 amount of elevation times the volume divided by ten. Volume in gallons per minute. Head in feet divided by ten. That's how much power your hydro system is going to make. It doesn't matter if it's undershot, Pelton, tur- Turgo, Mike. It doesn't matter what it is. It, it doesn't violate that formula. And so, but turbulent is what I think Forrest you're thinking of. It's kind of a it's a really neat spiral effect, but yeah. it's still not, it still doesn't defy the formula. People say, "Oh, you're an engineer. You're just locked in a box. You just you know." I'm like, "No, this this stuff works. I mean, the, you can't defy the math." You're Scott Nye, the science guy, aren't you? <laughs> the new, the new guy. Um, vertical, vertical, vertical axis wind turbine. They're they're cool. Whatever captures the wind more. I mean, I think they're cool. I think they're awesome. I think they're artwork. I, I mean, I think they're great. Um, the horizontal is there's not a lot of uh, Duke go solar. <laughs> 
that go solar works. I know solar works. I monitor a hundred systems, literally monitor a hundred systems. I have so much SCADA data of how systems work in all different, in every state in this country. It's fun. It's fun. The, the amount of data that I nerd on to see, Oh, this works good there. This works good. These settings work better here for this battery. Um, I don't, I don't waste my time with wind. I just don't waste the time with wind. Now, if that's the only thing you have, go for it. Um, it's not going to vertical or horizontal. It's not going to make much of a difference. The nice thing about some of the verticals, they have a lower startup RPM. So you, you use that, use that to your advantage. Okay. You know, you, you know, this is a subject between me, you and, Echo Papa for sure. We've talked about this for years, and yeah. we—I've so cool. talked you. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I haven't pursued it. This is one of my. This is how I got into water pumping. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how water was moved in the United States. This started in 1797. Double acting rams came into play in 1865. This is how water was delivered around the world. Uh, if you had elevation, and that's the thing. A lot of people can't take advantage of a, a ramp pump. They're a fascinating piece of equipment, um, but it's a niche market. And now the reason I'm not doing ramp pumps is because solar pumps are the most efficient use of solar energy in the world. So just pump the water with a solar panel. It is so, so much. And, you know, I researched, I hired a private investigator to find the people that own, was it Rifle? Right, right for him. Rifle right. Ram, and I've, we found them. And I actually talked to one of the. It was a. It was an Indian family from yep. India yep. that that owned all this. And I think you know, I'm not sure what I should say, but it was such a sore subject within the family because it they couldn't get the business to work. That yeah, it, it just that that company folded. It's a lost art. That company's been sold probably 20 times. It started in Virginia in the mm-hmm. 1800s. Fantastic product. I still have a right frame here that operates. Um, it's just something that it's an antique. It's cool. They're museum pieces, um, but we've moved on from that. And there's so much more capability with sol- with a solar pump than a ram pump. But if you want an EMP proof mechanical system, then then you can look at a ram if it makes sense for your property. If you have enough elevation change with your water to run the ram, you lose. For every gallon that you pump, you lose eight. So you have to have enough water. You have to have volume and fall. Get it. And, and, you know, it's like hydro. Does it work? Well, maybe it does. It might work. But by the time I get the power to where I need it, I've lost a lot. Yep. Um, um, this is from, from Jerry. Okay, sounds good so far. Continue. Put a small solar system in that upgrade there or just pay for the bigger one. Um, You could start and scale. Like I said, you can scale. You could start, again, the inverter is the hub. So, like, if it's off-grid, I recommend a Solar 12K inverter because of all the breakers that come along with it. You can put 12 of those inverters together in the future to run the world in your neighbor's world. So you can start with one. It's like, I am planning on, I know this inverter can stack all these subsequent helpers 
And so start with one. Don't cheap out and buy a 120 volt inverter that you can't stack. You can't. I would buy, I would bite the bullet and buy an inverter that you can grow into. And you can just keep adding depending on what you want to do. It's like, okay, I need more power. Add an inverter. You've already built the system and go ahead and, um, yeah. So I could tell you how small you can make your array and your battery to make it work while you're building. And then expand your battery, expand your array, expand your inverters if you need to. And the 12K gives you so many options. One of the coolest things, one of the best off-grid installations I have is on a, is in Wyoming. It's at 8,000 foot, 8,000 feet elevation. Uh, propane's an issue burning at that elevation. Um, a lot of things are an issue there. So I have two solar 12Ks, um, and I use the diversion load controllers built into them to heat all their water for free. So I'm not heating water off of batteries. I'm heating water directly off the solar as when there's when you're off grid and your batteries are full and it's one o'clock in the afternoon and you don't have much to do, where does all the power go? It doesn't go anywhere. It's potential energy. So now I turn the diversion load controller on and I heat my water for the day. Water heaters are so well insulated. Now I got hot water for the next day that I heated the day before. And I'm doing that for free. I do that in the bunkers as well. All the water heating is done through smart loads, through diversion load control. That's fun. So I've got an off-grid cabin at 8,000 feet, and I keep it from freezing. It gets 25 below zero. He's got radiant floor, so I heat a giant water tank, and that keeps that house, which is 3,500 square feet, from freezing in Wyoming in brutal conditions. I'm doing it with solar. People don't believe it. But this, so I have two cold climate off-grid uh, projects. One's uh, in Canada, right on the border, and one's in Wyoming. And I'm like, if I can make those work, anybody, every other place works fine. And there's a cold water, cold climate institute in Alaska that does solar, and they do other refrigerants and things that are in super brutal. You know, panels have to be vertical on the side of shipping containers to make the you know the sun is so low. <laughs> And they can only do it for eight months out of the year. Um, that's another that's another rabbit. But um, to answer that question, a solar 12K in an off-grid situation with diversion load control is your best friend for off-grid, in my opinion. That, that's the inverter that I've gone to for everybody that's been off-grid. Now, if it's just a small hunting cabin and you're never going to need more power, then you could do an 8K. You could do a 5K but you're not going to be able to expand. So if you, I don't want you to box yourself in like, man, I wish I bought the 12 and spent $500 more. Now I have something that can grow. Cause I find a lot of these people, they buy a house and they're like, well, I want an Airbnb this, I got an RV park. And then I, in the back, I got, I got uh, tent platforms I'm renting out. So the people keep growing on these properties. I'm like, you should have got the 12 K. Um, and anyway, next. okay. Last question. Last question. Yeah. Okay. What do you can know, I, do I don't you even know, know what that is. You know what that yeah, pump so is? Trust, he's got an SQ flex pump. It's probably a six SQF three or an 11 SQF two. He's got four, three, probably four panels, 300 watt panels that are tied there. This is the best pump in the world for pumping water. It's, a direct DC pump, it'll take 30 volts up to 300 volts DC 
uh, 96 volts, 95 or 96 volts AC up to 265 volts AC. The pump is awesome. And it'll pump water 800 feet in the air and uh, five gallons a minute on that amount of solar that he has. So it's a great pump. It's pretty much impossible to EMP harden. <laughs> so I didn't help him much there. So what I would do on the panels, so that pump can come with a controller, an IO-101 and a CU-200. You, you don't need those. You can go directly from the panels. Um, you might already have it this way. You go from the panels to that pump. And those pumps are $2,500. So they're very expensive. Um, the, I don't know of a way to protect it from EMP other than to buy another one. You buy another pump, you put it in a Faraday cage, and you have panels in a Faraday cage, and if it fries, you pull them out and install it. Does that, I, I hope that answered the question, but I do not know how to, how to, I do not know how to protect a pump like that. That means it can't be protected then. <laughs> Are you there, Scott? Did I lose? Did you freeze when I did that? Where are you? He froze. Did we? What happened? I don't know. You talking EMP stuff, and all of a sudden EMP oh. shield sent some things our way. EMP hit. So did you close it out? No, we're still on. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we're still on. I was going to throw this up there so people can get in touch with you. I mean, we've gone almost two hours, and, you know, I don't want you to fall asleep, Scott. So, um, Oh, I'm good. This is all I do. Well, that was all the questions that I had. I mean, that's right. it. I, that's great. Um, man, that was some, that's some good stuff. So going off grid is not as easy as you think. It is not easy. It is not easy. Um, it's expensive and, um, but it can be planned out extremely well. Um, that one I mentioned in Wyoming, the equipment when I started with that customer wasn't as good. I was using Magnum and it just, the equipment wasn't as good as what he has now. So it was a learning process. The technology has changed. So I'm very confident going off grid now compared to where I was before. I was so heavy reliant on a generator. Got to have mm -hmm. a generator because this stuff can't power it. People want to live. They want everything. So I still recommend a generator in off-grid, but not as expensive of a generator. And I don't want to run it unless it's a, an emergency. So, so that's, it's, it's, well, just, it's been getting better and better, the equipment. Well, that's awesome. I think you're coming back. I forgot the other date that we set, but you're coming back. So everyone just, you can save your questions and we'll, we'll, we'll hit them again sometime. Um, but he's coming back. Um, and, but you can find Scott on YouTube. That's, that's in your website, practicalpreppers.com, right? That, yes. Practicalpreppers.com. Yeah. I mean, you can go to engineer 775 and message me, but that's the easiest thing is to send me an email info at practicalpreppers.com, which is on our website and we do consultation signups and we, yeah. So we got office staff that will answer or get your question. If I'm out working and you can't get a hold of me, they'll, they'll get a message to me. Yeah. So guys, so Scott, Scott's in the business. He's been helping preppers for years. So, I mean, if you have a simple question, but you might just need to just sign up, 
and and spend an hour with him and he because he he is paid to do this he loves you guys but he doesn't love you that much <laughs> our, our consultation it's an at two hundred dollars for an hour of consultation and i usually go longer than that we do a lot of prep time before that and so you, that way you get undivided attention and we work on your house on your project and we design and then we work with your ahj your county your company we can hold your hand through the whole thing and um yep. and sometimes the worst part of solar is the paperwork um the technology the technical side is not we've done so many of them that we're not we're not intimidated by that it's the dealing with the bureaucracy of getting you getting your system inspected and interconnected to a utility if you have utility if you're off grid that's easier that's better and some of you live in counties that don't require inspection i love those <laughs> those nice. are easy yep well, that that's it, Scott. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Um, and I'm sh- I know some of these people are going to contact you. I know some are asking, asking me how to get to you directly. And um, but you, like you said, the best way I don't have an inside scoop. When I email Scott, it's at info at practicalpreppers dot com. So that's what you need to do as well. So um, is there any anything? coming up for you or we're just going to see is it in december you're coming on again i think it is i think so i think you said december uh yeah so nothing i mean i'm going to a i will be going to a solar a solar show an amish solar show that's the only event i'm going to up in pennsylvania and believe it or not the amish are 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 wonderful off-gridders aren't they and yes. there's there's been a whole community of solar off-gridding Amish for a long time. People don't realize the two orders of Amish, old order Amish and new order that they they just and they can't use the grid, right? The grids of the devil. So they <laughs> to them in their in their church yeah. theology, they're um, so they're very they run all their businesses as off-grid businesses, their homes, their farms. And they've gotten really, really good in the last 20 years in doing solar. So, um, so I, it's fun to go hang out with those folks. So I'm, I, I go up there just, it's refreshing. They're not caught up in the nonsense that we get caught up in. So I just like to go hang out with them for a couple of days and talk solar and nerd out with them. I'm nerding out with the Amish on solar. Nice. That is crazy. <laughs> well, guys, thank you for joining PrepperNet. PrepperNet Live. Hey, everybody. And night. And Wallace, of course. And we'll see you guys next week. Make sure you have your emergency equipment. Go to prepernet.net to find out that equipment list and make sure you join um, Engineer775 on YouTube and practicalpreppers.com. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the Prepping Academy Podcast. Preppers Unite at www.preppingacademy.com. Are you a prepper or homesteader looking to connect with like-minded people in your area? Looking to start your own preparedness group? Already have a group? Well, look no further than PrepperNet. PrepperNet is dedicated to personal responsibility, individual freedoms, and being self-reliant. PrepperNet has monthly meetings in over 100 cities where you can meet and learn with like-minded people in your area. PrepperNet, where preppers unite.
Find us online at PrepperNet.com.